Well, we are looking at 2 Timothy. This is the second message, uh, really a seven-part uh, series as we walk, walk through this, this book. And, uh, you know, the title is 2 Timothy, and it's a letter to Timothy, but you know what? It's really a letter to me. You know, sometimes I process, process things a little bit slow. And my wife laughs as I say that she knows it's true. And uh, I didn't quite process last Sunday's message. And God had to teach me um, Monday, verse 7. You know, we talked about how God gave uh, Timothy, he's given us, a spirit of power and love and self-control. In the New American Standard, that self-control is sound mind. Well, over the weekend, uh, you know, Sunday, I, I wasn't, I didn't have a sound mind when I went to bed. Um, you know, you know how some conversations you might have with somebody, uh, they said something and you've had to process that. And in processing that, you kind of get spun up over that conversation. And you kept, keep having that conversation in your head over and over again. And the more you have that conversation, the angrier you get. And you have all this vain imagination. <laughs> That's where I was Sunday night when I went to bed. And I couldn't wait for Monday morning. Because I was going to have a conversation with some folks. And it was not going to be pleasant. And then 2 a.m. came along. Did you notice a windstorm Sunday night? No, don't say yes. Because there was, there's been a windstorm a lot this week. But on Sunday night, there wasn't a windstorm. But there was a microblast by God in my backyard. And I have a section of my fence that I've been looking at for a while and knew that I had to replace it. But you know what? It kept hanging in there through all these windstorms. But it was calm early Sunday morning. And God decided that He was going to pick up that fence and He was going to destroy that fence. And that's exactly what He did. And my dog, I, I heard my dog bark uh, early Sunday morning, but it didn't register. He only like barked once. And uh, then soon after, my doorbell rang. And it was my neighbor next door. Gage had gotten in his, in, into his backyard. And uh, I didn't hear the doorbell. Susan heard the doorbell. And she answered. And she came to me. And, and I was just in la-la land. I mean, I was, I was in the third heaven. And uh, I was just sound asleep. And she woke me up. And she said, Bill, the fence is blown down. Oh, great. Well, I didn't go out and look at it. And I just went right back to sleep. <laughs> and I didn't tell it to Susan. But I dreamed that the neighbor had fixed the fence 
and he had kind of decorated, he had carved a little different, uh, you know, artwork in the, the boards on the fence. It was a beautiful fence. <laughs> but the next morning when I got up and saw that fence, I thought to myself, man, I'm not going anywhere today. i got to fix this fence. And so that conversation that I was going to have next morning, I couldn't have it. And God knew I couldn't have it. I didn't have a sound mind. I didn't have love. Oh, I had power, but it was my power in the flesh. It wasn't His power. And you know, God has a sense of humor. And so, all Monday morning, it was me and my sludge sledgehammer and my post hole digger, and I was taking out my aggression on that concrete that I had to tear out to be able to put in that new fence. And every time I wielded that sledgehammer, I was saying, Thank you, Jesus! And I really meant it because the Lord was using this in my life because I had the wrong heart. And so, yeah, Monday was tough. But you know what? God worked in my spirit. And when I came to work on Tuesday, I was at peace. I knew God was in control. And praise God, He protected me from throwing gasoline rather than water on a uh, situation that needed to be resolved. So that's been my week. And, uh, and so I'm looking forward to uh, sharing with you from the rest of uh, this chapter this morning... Again, this is Paul's last letter. He's writing to Timothy. He's very concerned because uh, Timothy is uh, going to continue to lead the church. And uh, history tells us that once Paul was martyr, martyred, that uh, Timothy became the bishop of Ephesus. He's a, he's a leader. And, and Paul is passing on the baton to Timothy, who is going to lead in this post-apostolic age. And uh, he's going to need to hold on to the truths of God's word. And when Paul is writing these words, you know, he's not by a lake, everything's wonderful, peachy king. No, he's in prison. And he is suffering for the sake of the gospel. Nero... Uh, the Roman emperor who is one of the most wicked um, leaders who have who has ever ruled um, has thrown Paul into prison because Nero is blaming the Christians for the burning of Rome and Paul who is uh, the uh, apostle who has brought the gospel to the Gentiles um, the western the western world sees uh, Paul as the leader of the Christian faith and so uh, Nero is going to take it out on Paul but uh, as we read Paul's words in this last letter Paul's not despondent 
He hasn't given up. He's not hopeless. Paul is fired up. Because he knows that God is in control. He knows the promise of life in Christ. And so this morning I want us to uh, look at Paul's words and what Paul knew. And what kept Paul going in the face of adversity. Paul's words were relevant to Timothy, and Paul's words are relevant to us today as a Christian community, as a church. Church, our, our society, our culture is quickly sliding into moral abyss. I mean, we don't know right from wrong. And the world wants to rid itself of Christianity. Of the Christian influence. And it's going to get worse and worse, church. And that's what the Word of God says before Jesus comes. And we need to be prepared. Now, I appreciate our President, Donald Trump. He has, his his policies have helped um, protect um, the church and what Christians believe. But I want you to know, church, that President Trump is not going to be president forever. This is only temporary. And there may be a day and age where it's going to be a a whole lot worse than whoever is in Washington, D.C. we may not agree with. But I want you to know, our hope isn't in Washington, D.C. Our hope is in heaven. Our hope is sitting on the throne next to the Father in Jesus Christ. That's where our hope comes from. And Paul knows this from the bottom of his heart. Here is Nero, the the emperor of Rome, this wicked leader. And yet Paul is full of faith. He's not pessimistic and he's not despondent and nor should we be. And so this morning, if you're going through any kind of adversity this morning, Paul's words are for you. Paul's words are for me. Let's take them to heart so that as we face adversity, we can keep going. We can endure. So verses 8 through 18 this morning says this, Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of our own purpose and grace, because of His own purpose and grace, which He gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel." for which I was appointed a preacher and apostle and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed, 
For I know whom I believed, and I am convinced that He is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Follow the pattern of sound words that you have heard from me, Timothy, in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. You're aware that all who were in Asia turned away from me, among whom are, um, I'm just going to say P and H, okay? May the Lord grant mercy to the household of O, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains, but when he arrived in Rome, he searched for me earnestly and found me. May the Lord grant him to find mercy from the Lord on that day. And you well know all the service he rendered at Ephesus. So we're not going to really go into verses 15 through 18 this morning. Uh, this is just a kind of a parenthesis of what Paul has just shared. And he's, he's, he's given examples of two who did not endure who fell away from the the faith, and then he gives the example of the one who has been there for for Paul. But I want to focus uh, primarily on verses uh, 8 through 15 this morning. What did Paul know? What kept Paul going to the very end? Well, in verse 8 we see, it, number one, it is Christ's testimony in suffering. Paul knows what Jesus went through for Paul. Jesus set the example in Paul's life of what it's like to suffer. And Paul was continually preaching to himself that Christ suffered for me. And I owe Christ my life to Him for what He has done for me. The worst among sinners. You know, the Bible talks about um, uh, Paul's transformation as he was on the road to Damascus. Paul didn't come to faith in Jesus Christ by sitting in a Sunday school class or by serving widows and and being nice to people. No, he was on a road where he was going to be persecuting more Christians because he despised Christianity. And Jesus stopped Paul dead in his tracks and said, Paul, Paul, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And God, right then and there, transformed uh, the Pharisee among Pharisees, the chief among sinners, the Saul who was that who was at the height of his profession. Uh, he was successful in the eyes of Jews. Everybody wanted to be like the the, the, the Pharisee Saul. And God. That's where Jesus called Saul to himself. And so Paul knows this and, and, uh, Paul's life was transformed by the gospel. And Paul learns that Christ, when he died on the cross, died for 
Paul's sin. And Paul's life was forgiven. and It was transformed. It was justified. It was sanctified. It was glorified. And he knows that this is all because of the grace of God in his life. And so Paul's... Jesus' suffering is Paul's example. And so Paul is going to suffer as well. And in that suffering, he wants to know Christ. Philippians chapter 3 verse 10 says this, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of His resurrection and participation in His sufferings. Participation. In the New American Standard, that word participation is translated the word fellowship. I want to know the fellowship of my Lord and Savior in my suffering. And become like him, becoming like him in his death. So here's Paul sitting in this Roman prison. Holding on to the promise of life. In verse 1. And he knows that he is not suffering alone. He's got Jesus, church. And if you want to keep going in the face of adversity... And you're suffering. I want you to know that you don't suffer alone. Jesus is there for you. And he's exhorting Timothy at this point. And Timothy, you're going to suffer. And when you suffer, you're not going to be alone either, Timothy. So that's number one. Christ's testimony keeps Paul going. Well, let me just finish that up for I got a little bit ahead. And so what he's telling Timothy is, Timothy, get past your timidity. Get past your fear. Don't be afraid. God has gifted you with power and love and self-control. Those are in your possession. God wants to give you the ability to think and do the right thing. So therefore, Timothy, verse 8, don't be ashamed. Number two, what keeps Paul going is God's grace, salvation in Jesus Christ. Now, church, you need to get this verse. If you truly get this verse, if you believe this in the bottom, the depths of your soul, you're going to be able to get through anything. Verse 9 is a very clear explanation of the gospel. The gospel is clearly spelled out in verse 9. Let me just read it one more time. God who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of His own purpose and grace, which He gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. 
Paul is telling Timothy here in this verse that it is God who has saved us. Timothy, he's not just saved me, but he's saved you and he has called us to a holy calling according to his own purpose and grace that's provided in Christ when? Before there was ever a creation. And so, in the mind of God, before He created the heavens and the earth, God knew Paul and Timothy's name and gave them a purpose and grace through His Son, Jesus Christ, before they were ever even born. That's the gospel, church. God does the saving. Now, get this. Paul is sitting in prison, suffering for the gospel, being, you know, mistreated, blamed for something he or Christians didn't do. And he's the example. He knows he's about to be martyred. He knows that his head is on the chopping block. And yet Paul is penning these words to Timothy. And he's saying, he's believing and he's knowing that God purposed this before the world began. God is in control of this situation, Timothy. And God has given me His grace in the person of Jesus Christ. And so you need to get it, church, Christian. What's your adversity? What is it that just came totally out of left field that you were never ever expecting? And it it has shaken the foundation of your faith. Paul wants you to know this morning that God has purposed it. And He's given you His grace in the person of Jesus. That's why Paul, he's not despondent. He hasn't thrown in the towel. He knows that when this life ends, life is truly going to begin for for Paul. That's the gospel. And we all need to get this. And this truth, it's not for the faint of heart. When you go through these things, that doesn't mean that God loves you any less. He has. 
a purpose. And you need to hold on to Him. Because He is holding on to you. And I know that if you're not at this point spiritually in your seeking after God and knowing His Word, His Word, you're probably highly questioning what I just said. How could a loving God do that? We'll not understand the answer to that question this side of heaven. But we hold on to the promise of Romans 8.28 that He is working everything both the good and the bad, for our good and His glory. That's our God. And God wants us to live by faith, believing what His Word has said, and not by sight, not by our own theology. I think Nathan said it very well this morning, not according to the God that we've created in our own mind, but what the Word of God has revealed. Paul knew this. And this kept Paul going. Number three. We see this in verse 10. We've talked about it already last week. But Paul is holding on to the promise of life in Christ. We saw that in verse 1. And then let's look at verse 10. And which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to life, light through the gospel. Paul knows that he's not coming to the end of life. Paul knows that his life is about to begin for all eternity because Christ is the promise of life eternal. And so this keeps Paul going. Rome is not going to be able to touch Paul's immortality. He doesn't have to be afraid of that Roman soldier. He doesn't have to be afraid of uh, Nero, the, the Roman emperor. No, he doesn't have to be afraid of people who can kill the body. He fears the living and holy God who has the ability to send people to hell. And Paul is holding on to the promise of life that is about to begin in Christ. Number four. Paul keeps going because of the calling of God in Paul's life. Paul, sitting in that Roman prison cell, knew that he was going to be suffering for the gospel. This did not catch Paul by surprise. Paul on that Damascus road, and when Ananias came and and um, healed Paul of the blindness that took place on that road, uh, the Lord Jesus told Ananias that in Acts chapter 9, verse 16, that I am going to show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. Paul knew from the very beginning that he would suffer. 
and taking the gospel to the Gentiles. But he was willingly... He was willing to do, be, to do so because of how much suffering he had brought on the church up to that point. And Paul says, tells Timothy that, Timothy, you are going to be suffering. You are going to be sacrificing for the gospel as well. I'm handing the baton to you, Timothy. And you know, for 2,000 years, things have not changed. Jesus said, Jesus said that you would suffer, that Christ followers would suffer for following him. Jesus said, if they hated me, they're going to hate you. Jesus said, some people will think that they are serving God by killing you. Jesus says, but don't deny me. Because if you deny me, I will deny you before the Father. Jesus said, you're going to have tribulation. But be of good cheer. Because I have overcome the world. Why is there all this hatred and animosity towards Christians? Why does this exist? Because according to Ephesians 5, the Bible says that there is an enemy that hates Christ followers. He's the enemy of darkness. He is the prince of evil that hates truth. He despises what God has said. And in Genesis chapter 3 verse 1, as the serpent was talking to Eve, he posed a question, did God really say this? And he has been causing, influencing Christ followers ever since to doubt what the Word of God says. Guys, it's only the Word of God that is going to set people free. The enemy has done a great job at getting Christ followers to devout, to doubt what he has, has said is true. And the, there's so much pressure for believers to compromise on the Word of God and doubt what the Word of God says. Because if you don't doubt, if you don't compromise, you're going to be called a hater. You're going to be called a bigot. You're going to be called judgmental. You're going to be called intolerant. And Paul is telling Timothy, and he's telling us this morning, church, don't be afraid. Don't be timid. God has given you power, love, and a sound mind. We are in good hands. The hands of the living God. How do I know that? 
because of verse 12. The fifth thing Paul believes in the midst of adversity, he believes the safe keeping of the gospel. Verse 12, I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Jesus is Paul's guardian of the gospel. It's been entrusted by Paul, but Paul knows he is in safe hands. Jesus is his guardian. And so let me just encourage you, church, as the world grows worse and worse and darker and darker, further and further away from the God that we know and worship and follow, don't be a pessimist. The gospel is going to prevail. Jesus says the gates of Hades is not going to prevail against the church. The church is going to win. The world may take your life, but you're not going to lose. Because the last breath you take here will be the first first breath you take in glory for all eternity as you see the face of Jesus. Paul is not afraid. He is not ashamed. Have you been ashamed of Jesus? I think we've all been ashamed of Jesus. You know, there's there's been points in situations that have come up in our life and you know what? It's easier to be silent and just listen and not show our true colors of what we really believe. We were afraid. We would we wonder what people will say. And so we're silent. I just want to encourage you this morning that there's a person in the New Testament. His name is Peter. He was ashamed too. And he denied Jesus three times on that night that Jesus was being falsely accused and about to be, to go to that, that, that Roman cross to die for the sin of mankind. And Peter was afraid. Afraid of being being associated with Jesus. And that the same thing might happen to Peter. And he denied the Lord. But I want you to know. Peter was recoverable. Jesus restored Peter. And Jesus can restore you. Your story isn't over. God's still writing it. And Paul, in his words this morning to Timothy and to us, is to believe these things. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. He is the guardian of the gospel. And he's going to keep it to the very end. To until that day. That day of judgment.
God is going to keep His promise. It's been entrusted to Paul. And Paul knows he is in the Lord's safe keeping. And then number six. What keeps Paul going is his word. God's word. Look at verse 13. Follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. These are sound words that have been inspired by the Holy Spirit. These aren't Paul's words. These are God's words. And Paul has faithfully taught the Word of God. And Paul is telling Timothy, follow the pattern of these sound words in faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. These words, like I said last week, are part of God's grace. And we need to be strengthened in God's grace. First, first two, chapter two, verse one. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Jesus Christ is the Word of God. He is the Word made flesh. We need to pay attention to His words. His words will make us bold and courageous, no matter what the cost. But understand this, as we pay attention and live out the Word of God, we can't afford to be jerks about it. You know, I, I'm so, I know some believers who are so pious in their faith and, and, uh, but they, they, they come across with, with no love or sensitivity or they have no filter and they harm the name of Christ. Paul said that you make sure that you conduct yourself, Timothy, with faith and love. I have been your example. Uh, That's part of that power and love and sound mind. And then look at verse 14. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. You need the Holy Spirit. Last Sunday... And as I had been processing that conversation, formulating a game plan of what I was going to do on Monday morning, that was not in the power of the Holy Spirit. That was in the flesh of Bill Logan. And God had to stop me in my tracks from doing something that I would regret. We can't do this in the flesh, church. We need God's Spirit. That's His gift to us. And He will give us the ability to have faith, 
have faith, the faith that we need in the midst of adversity and do the right thing in love. Oh, the world wants to label you a hater and just be prepared for it. A bigot. Judgmental. Just know the label's coming. But don't let your life represent those things. We love the sinner. And we hate the sin. We converse with the sinner. We build a relationship with the sinner. We don't keep them at arm's length and I don't want to have anything to do with you. No, we invite them into our life. We show them the gospel by how we live. We talk to them about the grace and the God and the transformation that can occur. Why? Because we're not ashamed. It's the truth that can set man free. Let's pray. So my friend, just know that if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you are safe in in the arms of Jesus. He's going to keep you. He's going to keep his gospel to the very end. Believe him. Know him. Walk by faith, not by sight. He is the promise of life. Father, we've come to the service this morning. Yeah, there are some individuals, families who are going through real adversity this morning. They're going through things, God, that I can never imagine. Father, may they know that you have a purpose in it all. And they're not alone. You have given them your grace and your son, Jesus. God, help them to trust you regardless of their circumstances. Thank you, Father, that you've entrusted us with the mystery of the gospel. May we not be ashamed. May we firmly believe that it is the power of God unto salvation to each and every one, no matter how bad they may be. It couldn't get any worse than Paul. Yet God, you you transformed his life. 
Father, as we worship this morning, may we praise you and thank you for what you've entrusted to us. In Jesus' name, I want you to stand. And we're going to sing that song one more time. Behold the wondrous mystery. You didn't have all the words before, but hopefully the words are going to be up there throughout the whole song. But this song talks about how God has clothed himself in humanity and has become light to the world. He's the true and better Adam who has come to save hell-bound man, me, you. Christ died on that tree and can send anyone to glory if they just believe. And the reason why this is true is because Jesus came back to life. He's alive. There's a whole lot of other religions in the world today, church. But there is only one religion, Christianity, who has a living God and Savior. All the other founders of these other religions, they're all dead. There's no hope in those religions. Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And when Jesus rose from the grave, this is a foretaste of our deliverance. So don't be ashamed. He is guarding you. And he is guarding this truth until that day. Let's sing.